Welcome to the Quarantine the Past end of your special part two, where we try to rediscover our love of music by listening to even more new music. So we're going to be discussing some of our under the radar choices. These are records that not necessarily made our top 20s, but were sort of in the conversation. Um, some of these are relatively small bands, some of them slightly bigger, but generally they're artists that might not have gotten as much attention elsewhere and we felt needed some discussion so gabby let's go to you first you brought um a uk band called the bug club to us do you want to tell us a little bit about the bug club um yeah sure so i don't really know much about them i don't even remember how i came across them but i find them their style super delightful they basically sound to me like lou reed singing moldy peaches songs and it's super high energy and very nostalgic and i thought you guys would be into it and i wanted to see if i was right i was into it i will go first i was I, into it yeah yeah <laughs> see the fun guys are back yeah we're, we're here um <laughs> i was into this i'll tell you why i was into it i i and I, I'm going to make a small apology to British guitar bands between about 2002 and 2020. I spent quite a lot of time at No Record being a little bit disparaging about British guitar music and generally favoring American bands. Um, it's kind of something we did right from the early days when we used to make fun of people like Shed 7, um, which I still kind of stand by. But British guitar music's really having a... a an unexpected and really delightful moment and I'm really enjoying it you know along with bands like courting and sports team and dry cleaning and uh, this is different but it's it's fun and it's fresh and it's like it shouldn't be it's 2022 guitar music's supposed to be stale and old but these new sort of wave of bands are bringing something fun and fresh to it and this is just such a unexpected delight of a record I really enjoyed it so thanks for bringing it to my attention. Juan? You got it. <laughs> yeah, no, really brief. I, I told Gabby already that I, I love this record a lot. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, weirdly, the music that I heard a lot in my childhood when I was becoming a snobby indie fan, <laughs> like listening yeah. to Pete and Pete, like the Pete and Pete soundtrack and Magnetic Fields. Like it kind of yeah. has this very twee kind of vibe but also very nostalgic but at the same time the songwriting is is I I love these kinds of like really like short pithy songs that have a lot of hooks and this record just uh I also told Gabby that it reminded me a little bit of the Goon Sacks too which is a one of those bands that I really championed when they came out and mm. unfortunately they broke up but you know what can you do but yeah highly recommend this one brilliant Good. So, well, let's swing to you. Uh, you've brought a few bands to us that none of us had ever heard of, which is kind of par for the course with one. Um, we've got Disheveled Cuss first, who sound like they'd be making some really kind of abrasive, angry music, but it isn't really the case, is it? Yeah, it, it would be. And some people may be familiar with this project because the the, the main songwriter is in this other band called Terramellos, which is kind of like a more mathy rock band. Um, I know, I, I know somebody in the staff likes them, but anyway, I, I'm digressing here. So this was a really interesting career trajectory for the Shoveled Cuts. Like at first they used to be like a power pop, like their previous album was more power pop. And this one is 
takes like a completely different direction. It's uh, it's a definitely a more intimate and a more introspective record. And it's a record that I'm still kind of peeling a lot of the layers because it does have that low, it doesn't sound lo-fi, but it does have that kind of quality of kind of listening to the microphones. And, you know, it has a, a lot to dig in, a lot of song in there too. It's like an hour long, but it, it's also very tuneful as well and, and very introspective. So uh, if you're kind of in that vibe, you know, it's it's kind of rainy outside and you want to listen to an album that's a little bit more intimate, but with some indie rock kind of peppered into it as well, this is uh, this is a good one. So. Yeah. Joe? I think I found, yeah, I found with this, uh, it started off when I was kind of like, okay, I see what this is about. And it was kind of, it was almost like acoustic, but also stoner rock at, at the same time. And yeah. just, I've, I'm not... I didn't dislike it, but I'm not sure I've ever heard a more boring record in terms of how, like, rhythmically wise. It's very, very just like drum patterns are just the same all the way through. A lot of, I know you say it's tuneful and I get what you mean, but also some of the, a lot of the songs have just like a one note melody for quite a long time. And I was kind of thinking, oh God, this is an hour long, this is an hour long, this is going to be a long hour. And then, like, as it went on, it kind of started to diverge quite a lot. And then there was sort of, it got a bit more experimental. There's one track that I really like towards the end. Um, it's called Still Running, which is like if Yola Tango tried to start being a bit more jazz influenced, which is quite oh, interesting. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's sort of, you would never think at the start of the record that that's kind of where it's going to kind of move to. But yet, despite all that, it's still, very kind of rhythmically one note i can't quite work out how that's kind of how it can be experimental and very kind of steady at the same time so i liked it more as it went on but um yeah not not, not generally in my kind of my kind of thing but it's definitely interesting to, to listen to i liked it but of, of course i did i mean it was um <laughs> it was just quietly effective you know workman like indie rock it's it's good good yeah. fun but not going to change the world yeah but good fun I agree. fun yeah um ezra collective joe this is something entirely different and i have to say this this was the second record <laughs> that absolutely blew my mind i thought it was amazing oh okay well i'm glad, glad to hear it um well I, I did mention you said it's something different i did just say that last record was had a hint of like um, Yola Tango doing jazz, and this is very much jazz with a with a capital J. Um, I think there's the I'm I'm not. Uh, complete expert, well, not in any way an expert in jazz, but I think um, what's been kind of going on, particularly in British jazz in the last few years, um, with artists such as like Sons of Kemet, and um, there's that kind of more kind of angry political element to, to jazz, but also just like really like furiously kind of rhythmic, but that kind of also links into groups like Salt, and then you get even into things like Michael Kiwanuka, which obviously isn't jazz, but it's got that kind of yeah. um kind of political political edge and that kind of all seem part of the same scene um i found this record a bit hit and miss overall generally um it's got a lot of features um i think even people like emily sanday are on it at some point and i think when when other people come into the record they tend to make 
make it a little bit less interesting, to be honest. Um, but um, things like Victory Dance, which was, I think, the lead single, um, when they do, um, if such a thing exists on a record like this. But yeah, it's just a really, really kind of thrilling collision of lots of different styles of jazz. And yeah, it's just such a, it's such an interesting attention grabbing record that um, I've come back to this uh, a few times. Um, and they also just did like a, an NPR Tiny Desk concert, which was really good as well. They're just a really, I'd love to go and see it's just such an interesting band. I really, I mean, I, I said I really liked it. It was, um, I, I found the instrumental stuff the, the most satisfying. I, I found the, the vocal tracks a little bit distracting, um, yeah. especially the opening one with Sam, Sampa the Great, you know, who normally I, I thought, well, that might be interesting, but it seemed a little bit um, distracting, you know. Um, but it mm. was, it's just, a, it seems like a really fun kind of party vibe to it. There's, I'm sorry I keep saying that now it's like a like a <laughs> everything is fun yeah, I, I'm sure I'm, who am I trying to kid huh um but there was a sort of felt like a Cuban kind of Latin vibe to it as well there's shades of of Afrobeat there it, it's it's got quite a lot going on um and not not at all what I listen to that commonly but it's quite nice to kind of freshen things up with something completely different and I thought this was just just a really satisfying record. Yeah, I I did like the hip hop elements a lot, um, but I agree that the like pure or more pure jazz tracks were the strongest. Um, there was a track that um, at least one track uh, just what stands out to me is that uh, riffs on um, an old jazz standard smile that was just that just blew me away. I thought that was fantastic. So um, those were. Um, more effective, in my opinion. True. Although I love Ego Killer too, but you know, <laughs> uh, that's it's probably my favorite. Although Victory Dance, I did like a lot too. And uh, mm. Live Strong is another one, which is one of like the longer tracks on the record too, but uh, uh, but also has kind of like a very satisfying flow to it. Um, but yeah, you you all mentioned it, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really have much else to add because you all said it so eloquently. Um, it it does, you know, little footnote, it does remind me of uh, being back home in Puerto Rico and going to jazz clubs and <laughs> uh, it does have that little vibe. So a little nostalgic there too. But um, but yeah, I can, I can see how Joe says it's a little hit or miss too because um, it, it did feel uh, it did feel too pleasant at times too to the extent where I was just like kind of working and it kind of uh, I was like wait which song I was listening to and then you kind of like go back to it and it's like um but it's one of those records that it'll take a little bit uh I love that it's so layered because I'll have a lot of time to just continue to just get a little to dig deeper into it and see what else I can find uh, but very, very enjoyable record. Right. Right, uh, Gabby, back to you. Um, I think this is the only artist that any of us picked who didn't even have an album out this year, if I'm correct. She has a record out. She has her debut out now. Oh, I thought it was an EP. Oh, is well. it? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, maybe um, I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't even listen well, to it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, you... we'll be able to easily figure it out. Um, but <laughs> Tell I'm... me about Gretel. Sure. So I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name right, but that's why Gretel, I didn't. Well, well, we can look this up as well. But 
um, I'm Americanizing the pronunciation of Gretel Hanlon, who is from London and is about 20 years old. She's definitely has like some maturing to do, but I still was like, she really caught my attention. She has this very um, kind of pulpy, pop noir, grungy, dark sound. Um, I think she's even like said herself that she's influenced by Nick Cave and uh, Wolf Alice, and you can hear that in her music. Um, and I just, really enjoy it. It's like, it's a solid, I mean, if it's an EP, we, we should really double check this. <laughs> um, but uh, the whole thing is very uh, strong. Uh, I think that there's a lot more where it can go, but it is very tied together for me by her really sonorous voice. Um, it's almost yes. like a contralto. It's gorgeous. So uh, that can only sound better with time. So seven tracks so it's kind of a min we'll call it a mini album and split okay <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i've picked up on that wolf wolf ballast thing as well and when you mentioned about the voice um it really reminded me of um london grammar um vocally oh, which yes. is a band that i have like no interest in generally other than the fact that um the lead singer's voice is just really really captivating and i think that's kind of similar to what's going on here because i liked i mean it's only as we say 20 minutes there's only so much that's going on in there but it's just i didn't kind of love all of it but just the, the sort of the brooding intensity of it just in terms of setting a mood or something that really really drew me in so i'd be i'd be interested to see over a longer album whether she just kind of kept that mood going and stuck with that or did try to kind of have a bit more a bit more, a bit more light and shade. Um, yeah, no, it's a good pick. Right. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, you've all mentioned the voice, and I, I that kind of velvety, kind of brooding, kind of voice reminded me of some artists that I that I've liked that are more on the more on the avant metal kind of realm. Chelsea Wolfe is a great example of something that she kind of approximates in her classically trained singing. Lingua Nada is another one. I'm not sure if you've heard of that one, uh, but those are like more examples that kind of lean more into like harsher noise. And I think uh, Greta is like working with more, uh, with some lighter textures too. It's not, it's, it's not an abrasive record at all. And I can't wait to hear what, what she does next mm -hmm. because it's very promising. Yeah, cool. I, I have I have nothing to add other than I felt very much the same. Really, it was it, promising. I think was the the, the key word. Um, back to me. Uh, I I I some, very occasionally you kind of stumble upon a band and think, oh, well, this is an interesting new band, only to discover that they're on their ninth album, and you've kind of missed most of their career. And that's kind of a blessing and a curse because if you like them, you've got an awful lot of catching up to do um but there may be some great stuff to discover and this kind of happened to me with the i was a king uh, they're a norwegian um indie band um started off with slight slightly sugars influences and they've kind of gravitated towards a more kind of polished indie pop kind of sound um they released a really bright and breezy record uh this year that i really enjoyed just um 
much like much like I'm taking a deep breath here before the onslaught comes, but much like Martin Courtney and Why Bonnie, just one of those things that is the indie pop that we all love, that we've heard lots of times before from many bands. Um, nothing particularly new or innovative about it, but it's just really executed well. Great songwriting, great performances, and I, I thought this was a really, really tight, polished record that didn't overstay its welcome and just nailed the brief. Did anyone else hear like a little bit of that space rock of like granddaddy while listening to it? That yeah, like that's one. what it is. I was yeah. struggling so hard because I really, I really enjoyed um, this record, I will say, but I was really struggling to find like the touchstones that I'm usually like pretty okay with nailing mm. down, um, except to say like, okay, yes, it's fuzzy twee, but that's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh I think going back to something that um, Gabby was talking about in the previous episode and when something is well executed but you sort of kind of struggle to work out why it's featured so high on, on someone's list, um, I think my main notes for this just say, I can see why Dave likes this. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. but, you know, and I'm sure they are, you know, lovely people who are very respectful to their parents you know to take the recycling they, they're Norwegian it's a yes they're probably awesome cross-country skiers and yeah totally yeah exactly and they only use solar power and eye-watering tax bills um, yeah yeah exactly exactly but um I think you know it's the kind of thing that if you like this kind of genre you're going to like this if you if you're not a fan it's, it's not going to change your mind but like, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it but I think it's the kind of thing that just kind of passes me by generally and that's that's it's i'd like to say to the band it, it's not you it's me it's um it's definitely yeah, it's, you it's just yeah yeah, yeah it's definitely <laughs> me yeah. so um let's try this then so we you know if indie pop doesn't do it for you we'll try a little bit of sort of atmospheric dream pop with sh heavier shoegaze elements how, how does that sound joe is that is that is that sort of pushing your buttons and I mean, it's pushing my buttons, yeah, not in the way that you probably the, uh, the wrong, the wrong buttons. wish that well, you pushed. The yeah. reason I'm talking about that is because the next pick is uh, a band from another band from Philadelphia mm -hmm. um, called Ooh. Knife Play. Um, this was well, it's doing good in the it last is, few years. It's punching above its weight, huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Go on. Yeah. Anyway, let me let me just step back a little. Um, yeah. I really like this. I it hasn't been. I think sometimes when people say, "Oh, yeah, to, this wasn't a great year," or that you know there wasn't that much good music, it means that there wasn't that much music in the kind of narrow genre that they like. And I think if you're a Shoegaz fan or a Dream Pop fan, you probably had a pretty pretty tough time this year finding finding music that that sort of taps into the the genre heavyweights from the from the early 90s um this record did that um and did it really really well uh, i it's it's kind of got a darker slightly gothier uh, side to it it's it's really atmospheric but there are some moments like on um, my favorite track which is promise where the noise ramps up and it launches into it and it's just that really satisfying um shoegaze element that i love really when you get that wall of noise and it everything just comes together
I, I loved it. I thought it was my favorite sort of genre record of the year and just on the fringes of my top 20 as well. Anyone else like a bit of shoegaze? I love a bit of shoegaze. I, I do. Like shoegaze, yeah. Well, I don't I don't know about Joe. <laughs> <laughs> don't come to me later. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that wall of note that's beautifully described. The wall of note that's so satisfying, right? When it all just like hits. But I will say <laughs> that this is very dramatic, isn't it? Like the maybe normally I just can't parse out lyrics in a lot of shoegaze, and so I just kind of let it wash over me and don't think about it much. But this the sort of sheer maudlin extreme ache of it all is a little intense for me. Like I get that that's part of the appeal on this record, and it's like part of why it's lauded but I just was a little like teenage angst for me and it kind of took it took it down a few notches like I couldn't yeah, I couldn't it, get through it well I mean I could get through it, it yeah but <laughs> I, I couldn't it didn't rise to the level it probably normally would have because of that I'm not really like one to cling to lyrics typically it takes a while for me to even start hearing them but here it was like oh good lord this is heavy, <laughs> um, a little much, but the music is exactly like my speed when it comes to shoegaze. So. Yeah. Um, I live by the beach, so I don't wear shoes very often, so I cannot gaze at them. And as a result, shoegaze is generally not not my thing very much. Um, on kind of like the spectrum, when this is more on like the prettier end of things, more like, uh, more, more the more dream pop the more sort of cocktail twenty type stuff that yeah. i do i do like that but just overall the the elements that you say make this different which i appreciate is what it does that kind of very dramatic um it's quite sort of it almost goes into like sort of sludgy kind of sort of doom metal yeah, it in, is. in elements of it i was really surprised by quite how heavy this was um and that's just the yeah that that has like a visceral thing for me of just making me you know i don't know like gabby said it's, it's not very, fun is it like it's <laughs> this is it this is it um you know it's just uh, yeah it's, it's just not again you're talking about this being your your genre record of the year it's a it's a genre which doesn't sort of kind of do do much for me like you know every about once every 18 months or so I put on Loveless just to make sure that I you know have I missed something and is it actually the best record ever and every time I'm like oh, yeah this is this is fine it's very noisy though isn't it so but it is ah, the best record yeah, ever that's, yeah <laughs> just that's as long the as the rest of us I mean it's no Cinderella ties by Nicola Roberts but I mean it's okay <laughs> yeah I think yeah I, I hear what you're saying. I think it does go from Cocteau Twins to Cloakroom, really, in in a moment, yeah. which is which I think is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not. It is a it is a heavy going record, but I, I think it's kind of type two fun. You should this is this is an underrated type of fun, <laughs> which you guys should explore. Is a fun, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sort of indie subgenre of fun that I quite like. Anyway. Um, fun core, new fun. <laughs> Joe, uh, on to you, Maya Hawk. Yes, um, we, we talked about under the radar picks for this episode, so I've gone with the daughter of 
two Hollywood stars who is in one of the biggest shows of the whole of Netflix's history. Um, so yeah, Maya Hawke is the um, is the daughter of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, um, and yes, is in Stranger Things and also um, various other um, TV shows and films. But like she's she's released a couple of records now, and they have they're kind of, I mean. I think they're a bit under the radar in that she doesn't kind of have the same sort of musical profile as someone you might expect based on kind of how famous she is and her parentage and so on. But this is just like a really kind of nice, gentle folk record. But it's it's kind of, it, there's something about it in that it's just very kind of soothing, but also you can you can really see how she's trying to put it together. It's like she's kind of listened to lots of different uh, folk records and decided that she wants to pick elements of this but not elements of this there's I think she's probably like a really big sort of um fan of something like Blue by Joni Mitchell or some of the sort of simpler Joni Mitchell records um and it's she kind of does come at it lyrically from an actor's point of view I would say in that I think um it's it's very kind of obsolete motivational it's lots of trying to set scenes and tell stories rather than just kind of necessarily talk about um how things make her feel lots of kind of exposition um so on one sense it's very kind of by the numbers and yes i'm picking i'm trying to give a leg up to someone who doesn't really need extra attention probably but it's just something a little bit kind of different and interesting about it that um kind of makes it makes it stand out for me yeah, I love an underdog story as well, really. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very a, a very really overcome really overcome adversity, isn't she there? Yeah. <laughs> it's a rags to riches tale. Um mm. I, I I think it's you know, it's a very nice example of the genre. I didn't think it was um a stellar example. There's been a lot of a lot of great kind of folky singer-songwriter records out this year like martin courtney for example um i i do have a question uh joe um, why do i like this <laughs> is it the same question all, gabby's been asking <laughs> yeah he, look here's the thing like it's been a wonderful year of so many great folk pop records and i was apparently because i don't watch Stranger is it Stranger Things? That's the thing. I don't watch that show, yeah. so I wasn't even aware that she was on this show. So I did. Is the appeal because she you had that frame of reference that she's an actor, or because I I just feel to see because you've and I've seen your end of year list, Joe. Like usually you have mm. these really awesome like folk albums, and for some reason. I'm trying to understand why this one over all the other ones. I know this is under the radar mm. picks, though. So I will give you some credit yeah, yeah. there. It's not like top 20 material. It's an uh, interrogation, uh, isn't it? I, I, You're intimidating, Juan. I'm, I'm scared. No, I think I think Gabby's on Team Juan for this one as well. So I think uh -huh. it's, I'm going to get ganged up. Fun here. Um, <laughs> but not for exactly no, the same reason. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, it's going to be a real kind of... Okay, okay. Well, let's take one thing at a time then. So I think admittedly, um, so this is our second record. Um, I think the first one was two, maybe three years ago. And I just saw it come out and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I wonder I wonder what a Maya Hawk record sounds like. So just listen to that. Um, quite enjoyed that. Nearly made my top 20 that year. So definitely, I probably, she probably wouldn't have been on my radar if I didn't know who she was before having put the record out. But 
I just think there's something quite sort of charming about her, almost in its, I don't know what's the word, it's not, it's not clumsiness, but it's just that she, because there's just something quite sort of human about it in that it's not really, really kind of polished and it's not the, the kind of, we were talking about the Martin Courtney record in the previous episode and how that kind of knows exactly what it's doing. It's, I think I called it like the platonic ideal of that kind of record. And this has just got, because it's, it because it's in a weird way, because it is someone who probably wouldn't have been given a record deal were it not for who they were. Um, it's just not quite as polished as some of the other things. So it does make it slightly stand out a little bit to me. Um, I'm now gonna go to Gabby for interrogation number two. No, no, it's <laughs> for the sake of time. I'm, and also because the interrogation is essentially the same that I gave to Juan earlier. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it's repetitive. Oh, like what makes so. it stand out? Yeah, like why, I mean, why, just why, but just also why, <laughs> just why, why? No, it's a, it's it's, and it also does the thing for me. It's a good background record, and it's very pretty, but that also kind of stands up if you, um, yeah. Like why are we putting background music on, on end of year lists? Sorry, 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 but also, <laughs> but also not sorry. But no, no, also... I'm saying it works as multiple things. I'm not saying All right. like okay. if, if we were putting if we were putting background music on, my number one record of the year would be that YouTube channel that just plays like lo-fi hip hop beats <laughs> while an animation of a girl studies oh in the background. Oh my gosh, I um, hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I I have that on all the time. Anyway, sorry. In the interest of time, um, yeah. we should all be nicer to me. Oh, I'm going to be nice to you. I thought it. I thought it was a. a I thought it was surprisingly good as well. I, I guess you kind of think it's going to be some, um, I don't know, maybe maybe you, well, I just wonder if I like it because it's better than I expected it to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's great. I really, I think hey, it, she's great in Stranger Things as well. I think she's like one of the best characters. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for um, it too. I didn't think, yeah. <laughs> to overcome the odds um i didn't vote for it but um joe keery from stranger things put out an album this year as well which also wasn't bad yeah yeah if that's oh, the wow. thing is it even the best stranger things related album of the year that's that's a question oh, yeah. i haven't listened to his yeah, but well. and why aren't they collaborating i don't know maybe they maybe they hate each other secretly. i was just gonna say know. maybe they hate each other oh don't don't spoil <laughs> the show anyway that's enough i think we, and we, demons aren't real yeah, yeah. Let's leave Myra alone. Um, right, two more picks to go. I'm going to go to one now. I'm going to change the order, and we're going to talk about Surf Curse. Surf Curse, yeah. Uh, so you I sound surprised. Should... Did, you, did you forget you'd picked them? Oh no, it's just. Um, I, I think here's the thing. I, I feel like we. I should always have my one pick where it's. Uh, the, the one pick that maybe flirts more with like, you know, what people are kind of listening in, in mainstream rock right now, uh, because surprisingly this band is in a major label to be, but I feel like a lot of major label US bands tend to still be under the radar, even if they're in major labels, because you don't know how the, how the hell they get their fan base to begin with. You know, it's not like they get this kind of like organic. I The story with this band actually is that um, I really liked their previous record a lot. And that's how I first heard of them. But they had a hit on TikTok in 2011 called Freaks, uh, which was apparently everywhere on TikTok. And 
that's probably why they got signed to Atlantic. Uh, but the reason I like this band, I've actually known them for a while because through like connections and, and people from the LA music scene, they used to play a lot of like uh, clubs that I would go to and I've kind of seen their evolution through the years as well. Um, and this is like the kind of record that I really like in the sense that um, it's very traditional out rock that a lot of bands are not doing in a way that almost sounds like mid to late 90s with a little bit more ambition. You know, I hear a lot of like, you know, what if Oasis tried to write songs? You know, it does have a little bit of a British Brit pop and Brit rock kind of flair, although it sounds grungier at parts too. Um, and that that's probably one of the reasons why I like it a lot. I, I mean, uh, it, Again, it kind of surprised me a little bit because her previous record was a little bit more very jangly record. If you listen to it from beginning to end, it's a it's a very like very like speedy kind of jangly, uh, whereas this one tends to be a little bit more spacious and funkier at parts uh, as well. But um, yeah, I, I feel like this band will. I don't I don't know. I, I'm still a little bit confused about what their actual fan base is, but just knowing them from the LA music scene and having seen them. Uh, evolve as the band has been kind of really cool and, and I'm pretty impressed with what they've done with this one. Yeah it doesn't sound like a major label record to me at all. I didn't know any of the backstory. I hadn't heard of them um, I, 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 and I'd look on Spotify and the, the the song Freaks you mentioned has like 700 million <laughs> listens and now I feel like yeah. I've been living under a rock but I don't think it made it uh, well Maybe it did if you log on to TikTok regularly, but um, <laughs> I liked it. It was kind of, it sounded like I, I was hearing Dinosaur Jr. I was hearing some kind of slightly more recent things, like a bit of the Vines there, that kind of like grungy old rock from the yeah. from the kind of mid 2000s. Yeah, it was, it was satisfying. It was loud. It had kind of theatrical guitar solos which you don't hear that much of these days and it, it just sounded quite enthusiastic and unashamed really like they were just yeah. having a bit of a blast and it really just didn't sound kind of that sterile major label um american rock band of, right. the, of yeah. the day that you get because my word that stuff is really really sterile and dull uh, and this wasn't it was fun it sounded yeah. 90s you know Right, uh, I think we've got one more, and we're going to go to you, Gabby. And we've been storing up all this kind of um, all this aggression, and we're going to going to fire back now. A special I, interest. You tell us what is so special about them. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So this is a New Orleans band, I'm pretty sure, and uh, the way I'll describe them is voguing in the mosh pit. Um, they're <laughs> like punk glam house all together it's like very intense um it starts out the first few tracks is kind of like what i wanted confidence man to be sorry joe um i like confidence man but it was a, like this is way more uh layered in my opinion um and a lot more interesting um so a lot of like 90s dance music less immediately commercial I would say. And then as the record builds, we got off into other genres kind of on the same beat to keep it cohesive, but we get into like indie sleaze territory, kind of call and response, it's like frenetic energy, um, a little like a more polished Kathleen Hanna vibe, 
maybe something like like the gossip. Um, and then I hear a lot of that sort of a post-apocalyptic TV on the radio feel. Um, and then you get into way more harder, like punk heavy stuff, like, but you're still never losing that intense beat. Um, and even at times it veers off into a little almost soul disco territory as well. Um, I, I was kind of um, searching through some reviews um, a little bit to see how others described it. And I loved, I think it would speak for a minute that said this, but I do not quote me on this, um, but describe this as Nina Simone fronting Joy Division, which <laughs> I, I <Yeah>. loved. <laughs> so it's just a lot, like this is, I think the second um, group on my end of year list that is just, I'll, like kind of too much almost. <laughs> like, I think I described uh, Jockstrap as like kitchen sink, chaotic energy and I would throw that moniker here as well but I am super into this I think it is a very interesting group to discuss and they are new to me they are not new and I am interested in scrolling through the back catalog of this band and yeah, curious yeah, to know what really, you guys think no I think this is a very exciting this is like like the moment for them and and I feel like they've gotten to this point where um I don't, I'm not sure yet if I like it as much as you do, but I I, I respect it so much uh, for so many reasons. And it's one of the most interesting post-punk albums by far of the year. Like nobody is doing the kind of experimentation that they're doing. They're also, it, it sort of has a lot of the feel as well as like Madigan Pussy as well, right? Like bringing back that Latinx punk that, that has yes. soared in the music scene, which is also really awesome as well. But I didn't have house in my bingo card when I was thinking about the follow-up. <laughs> I, I really didn't. And I think they're, um, I think, and, and that last track is amazing. It's almost like suicide yes. in a way, like, uh, it, it's so engrossing and it's such a perfect finale to, to such an artful album. And uh, again, and it's hard I, for I like, like an eight minute track to be yeah. so engrossing, right? But yeah, yeah, for sure. it works. So, um, I'm, I'm still digging the layers to this one for sure. I, I wanted to review it, but I didn't have the time. But, you know, maybe I will, even if it's late. But yeah, really good record. And I think if this podcast had a house band, I think it would be special interest because the whole idea of this podcast is for people of of our vintage um, to be kind of discovering new music based on things that they have listened to around the time when they were more engaged in the music scene. And this just gives me such kind of like second half of the noughties kind of vibes in terms. I mean, my, my notes, they literally start by saying long live indie sleeves. It's really that, and, <laughs> you know, that kind of, yeah. I mean, all the things, the things you touched on, Gabby, like the sort of New York punk funk stuff. Um, I've got um, um, La Tigre on my bingo card as well. I mean, and I also had the bravery, but it made me think the bravery were good by listening to this, which was a kind of interesting my um, <laughs> place to be in. Thing that it really reminded me of, and I think there is partly um, the, the vocal elements that is um, a band that I think were never that big in the States, but I imagine Dave will remember called um, The Noisettes, mm -hmm. who had like a couple of actually really big chart hits in the UK. And they kind of started off 
as a really really like energetic sort of punky band but then kind of went into a little bit more mainstream also almost like touching on that kind of solely disco type stuff you were talking about mm -hmm. with with this and they had a couple of big hits mainly because they were on clover soundtrack and commercials um but no i think this is something that yeah it just kind of transports you to a time and place but also still sounds current um i think i don't quite I'm not quite as into it as much as you are, Gabby, but I think it makes me want to go back and listen to it more to kind of really, um, really dig dig into it and kind of live amongst it even even more. Yeah, I I was I was a bit cold to this record at first. I I, I listened to it once and I thought oh, it's you know it's good, but it's not it's not quite as good as it thinks it is. Um, <laughs> and then I kind of thought give it another chance and um it did win me over a bit i think i'm not again not not as not as into it as you are but i thought it was it was inventive i thought it was clever um it really did kind of pack a lot in lots of different ideas it's it, it's another pretty densely layered record i think that's you know, I can see why you didn't review it because I think it's a sort of it's a sort of review you start writing and then have to kind of rewrite when you've listened to it a couple more times and it just mm -hmm. sounds like a lot of work. Um I also heard like the the gossip, but kind of maybe more their sort of earlier, sort of punkier stuff, and bands like the Rapture as well, without the cowbells. Um it had that kind of dancey vibe to it. Um but also more sort of classic um post-punk as well and yeah I think there's there's an awful lot going on there I, I'm not sure the recording of it gets the kind of the freewheeling chaotic kind of vibe that I bet their live shows would have and I just wished it was maybe a little bit more kind of falling apart and a little bit um, messier really it just sounds maybe like the songs are there and the ideas are there but it just sounds maybe a little overworked to me for some reason um but i I, I enjoyed yeah. it a lot though and uh, i think if if they come anywhere near sheffield i'd I, I wouldn't be voguing in the mosh pit but um that would be quite unbecoming for a, for a man of my vintage but <laughs> I'd, I'd be i'd be nodding along in the background almost having fun so yeah well done. That is that is our under the radar roundup for 2022, and um, I think I'm just going to go and have a lie down and not listen to any music for about yes. a week now. Is that was going to read a book? Yeah, oh, full silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, Sounds good right about now. Music. Something good. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. We're going to hopefully have a couple of extra little bonus shows that we're going to tag on so keep an eye out for those but in terms of new music i think that is us for 2022 we'll be back uh for 2023 and a new season and a new start for quarantine the past so thanks for listening to the debut season and staying with us <laughs>